to Pixel Therapy, the video game podcast where we look at the games we play through the lens of the player, where what you play is just as important as how you play it, and where emotional intelligence is a critical stat. I'm your co-host, Jamie, pronouns she, her. And I'm your co-host, Spencer, pronouns they, them. And this is Pixel Therapy. Folks, we have a very special episode planned for you today with a very special guest who I will introduce to you all in a moment. But first, we have to start, as we always do, with our normal rigmarole beginning with our Patreon shoutouts. This is our special thank you to everyone who subscribed at our Patreon name in the credits tier. So that's a very big thank you to Genevieve, Lindsay, Pim Hatai, CD Mess, Ava, Sammy, and Alexis. Thank you all so much for your continued support of our little podcast. Uh, Remember, if you want to get your name in the credits, you can hop on over to patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod, where you can subscribe for free to get updates about our streams and public episodes or For as little as $2 a month, you can get access to our Patreon-exclusive monthly bonus episodes. And if you're looking for other ways to support the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and subscribing to the Pixel Therapy Pod YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash at Pixel Therapy Pod, where we're streaming Let's Plays on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, as well as doing our live podcast recordings on the weekend. Of course, though, know that no matter how you choose to engage with us, we appreciate you being here all the same. All right, Mm -hmm. it's time to get cozy. It's time to pull up an armchair. Feel free to lie down on the couch and let's talk about our feelings. Spencer, let's introduce our guest today. What? Yeah, our third our third (laughs) chair. Today we're chatting with Adrian Bazir. Adrian is a game developer, cartoonist, and 2D animator, and perhaps most important to her presence with us today. They are also insert disc five, the developer of the awesome turn-based role-playing game. In Stars and Time, which is going to be our main topic for today's episode. Adrian, thanks so much for joining us on the Pixel Therapy Podcast. How are Yay! you doing today? Thank you for having me. I am doing great. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about your game in Stars and Time today. Uh, but before we get into all that, just why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your background? How do you spend your time? Uh oh god. How do you spend your time? Is such How do you a spend question. your time? What do you question do? for a game you developer. Just, what do you do? <laughs> you just consolidate that into like a quick little blurb, please. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh about me, like you said, uh I am a 2D animator, game developer, cartoonist. Um I have <laughs> I I was about to say I work my day job is as a 2d animator but that's not the case anymore i got my contract ended so now i am just sleeping my (laughs) yeah (laughs) right now you know what 2d animator uh cartoonist game developer none of that i am just sleeping i am just nap taker Mm -hmm. (laughs) i get a role like that actually (laughs) you just just, know where i can send in my resume (laughs) you just decide to and then you don't have to think about all the stuff that you have to pay your bells and then there you go that's just how you do it (laughs) Uh, yeah and then in my in my what do i do with my days uh once again sleeping right now uh (laughs) and uh i i now that i have again a lot of free time i have been watching a lot of movies there's like an independent movie theater near me that's been showing like a lot like they've been doing a ghibli retrospective and i finally I watched Castle in the Sky, but I haven't seen it so long, even though it's my favorite Ghibli movie. And I'm like, yeah, oh my God. <laughs> They're so good. They're just little kids. That's great. Oh so that's gosh. what I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and we ask everybody who comes on our podcast this question, but do you consider yourself a gamer? Uh, 
Lo- loaded uh, term. Uh, <laughs> low, lowercase g. Lowercase yeah. g, okay. Yeah, lower, lowercase g. Uh, because, you know, often when it's like capital G, there's kind of the feeling of like, do you game? Do you, do you play Call of Duty? Do you play games where you shoot people? And I'm like, no, but I do play. Yeah, what are your of- gamer credentials? Yeah, yeah, it's like, like, I, yeah, exactly. Like, have you have you won uh, any like tournaments? And it's like, no, I like indie games that are about like your feelings and depression. So <laughs> mm-hmm. lowercase. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. <laughs> no, that's yeah, that's valid. I think that describes us as well. Um, so what's your history with video games? Big video game player since I was a kid. I think my first game was Pokemon Yellow because uh, my cousins, my cousins were the real gamers, and then it kind of I was like, that seems cool. I'll also Trickle play down. All of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I actually always wanted to go into video games, and when I was a child, I wanted to become a, a game designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where I kind of said that to my mom, and she was like, okay. And I was like, so that means that if you buy me video games, that's research. <laughs> Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, and so, very strategic, right? <laughs> like I can, I can remove that from my taxes, mom. Thank you. Nah, it's a write-off. <laughs> it's a tax write-off. Like it's fine. Uh, and so I actually went to school in university for game design, and then ver- very early on realized that it was not for me uh, for a bunch mm. of reasons. And the biggest reason, really, is that there's a lot of coding and i don't like coding <laughs> i don't i don't like it uh and and so i and so i switched to uh traditional animation actually and that's what i got mm. my my bachelor in uh and then in 2018 uh i was a lot on itch.io and they had a yuri game jam which is when i made my very first game uh sare which is a, a visual novel about a, a human girl and a bee alien uh and i had a lot of fun doing it and then in 2020, I made uh, Start Again a prologue. And then last year, I released In Stars in Time. And then <laughs> that's it. <laughs> well, that's great. You really teed us up for that segue. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk more about In Stars in Time. Uh, just a quick intro for, for folks who may not be familiar with the game. Um, as I mentioned, it is a turn-based RPG in the vein of games like Undertale and Earthbound. Hopefully you feel those are fair comparisons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> from uh, the game's Steam page description, it says players must live with the ever-present burden of being trapped in a time loop only you can know about. Create a better future for you and your friends. Find hope where there is none left. Pray to the stars and free yourself from time. Uh, the game came out last November on PC, PS4, PS5, and Nintendo Switch. Um, and the reviews on Steam are overwhelmingly positive, and it's sitting at an 81 average critic store on Open Critic. Spencer and I both played the game um, and beaten it, and I think it's fair to say that we're both really big fans, right, Spencer? I'm still reeling. <laughs> yeah! yeah! <laughs> um, so to kick us off on this conversation, uh, Adrian, with your background, uh, particularly being in art, uh, what called you to create In Stars and Time specifically as a game rather than, for an example, a comic or an animated film? I actually did create it as a comic, and that's mm-hmm. what it, it started as. Uh, just the, the, the basic idea of uh, a little fella that ended up being Sifrin, uh, ju- um being stuck in a... 
like having to go through their entire quest and then every time they die they go back and then even if they get to the, the end of their quest they still have to redo it all over again so kind of adding the concept of uh game overs and new game pluses and what would it be like for for a character to live through those um and I made I, I made like maybe one comic a year with that concept and trying to explore it a bit more. I made three mm-hmm. small comics with this, uh, and then uh, and then the pandemic happened, and uh, I needed a distraction and i was like you know what and then i did have before that i did have the vague idea of bringing that into a video game but i was always kind of wondering that i felt like the strength of this idea is to it was to take a video game concept and put it into a comic so having it be Mm. in a different kind of medium and i was wondering if putting it into a video game might make it lose some of that spark a bit so i was like kind of wondering um and then i did get the idea of making it a visual novel uh, but I felt like it, it is, it was with the way that I drew it and the concept that I added, it felt like such a, a fantasy type of story, like Dungeons and Dragons type, but I figured making it an actual RPG would be the best way to, um, to create it. And, uh, and, and I, I, I had the idea, like I had a lot of the ideas and a lot of the scenes, uh, figured out very early on, uh, mm-hmm. but I, quickly realized that this is the kind of thing that was going to get way bigger than I first thought. Uh, so, and, and I did, I didn't know how to code. I still don't really know how to, I kind of fake it for the camera. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then uh, I, I figured that instead of immediately making this giant game without knowing how to make a video game, that it would be better to do kind of a, a vertical slice, like a prototype of some kind. Mm. And that's when Start Again, a prologue was born. Uh, and then it also helped me like kind of get an audience, figure out if there was something that would interest people. Like even if no one cared about it, I would still have made it, but it was still mm-hmm. good to know that people were interested. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, I made, I made the prologue, people liked it. Uh, and then, and then I took like two years to make in stars in time and now it's out. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Now, Adrian, um, something that you mentioned earlier and you've mentioned a couple times now is how, you know, you don't like coding. You don't <laughs> feel like, uh, it's something you're good at. And uh, that's something that was inspiring for me to hear because I think a lot of people feel this, um, maybe it's imposter syndrome or just feel like there's a wall to creating something like a game because they they don't have the ability to code. I know you um, uh, you used RPG Maker to make mm-hmm. this game. Um, I mean, what kind of, I mean, like, I know you said you'd make it whether or not people were into it, but dedicating <laughs> two years of your life to make something that you don't know what the reception is going to be when it's done takes a huge amount of discipline and focus. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just curious, like, if you could say more about like, what got you over that hurdle of like being willing to jump into something as, as massive as making a game? Um, and how did you kind of come across the tools that you were able to use to get around um, what you felt like was this gap in your own knowledge around coding? Yeah, already I had uh, a lot of help thanks to my publisher, Armor Game Studios. And uh, I uh, I asked them very early on, 
please find me a programmer that can help me with the harder <laughs> the harder bits, please. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we got the help of Isabella Ava, who did uh, a lot of the harder bits of code, like trying like managing to make the fast forward uh, mechanic work, uh, like uh, making sure that the uh that the the battle animations would appear in front of the portraits of the characters like so mm. much little things uh and and also bigger things uh were thanks to thanks to Isabella um but apart from that uh there's like I, I wouldn't know like any way to kind of go. This is this is like these are the ten ways that you can <laughs> have your project go like manage yeah. to finish your project and everything. Um, but for me, I guess it was also some like I feel like a very important part is to find a way to enjoy the process uh, because for me, like yeah. It, it, of course, having it finished is nice, but I really did have an amazing time making the game itself, like figuring out solutions, figuring out, okay, I have this scene and I have to go to this scene. Where do I put in the middle there? Uh, what do I, what can I add to make this more interesting? And then if I did have some moments of the, the, uh, the making where I was like, I am really having a terrible time. I tried to really stop myself and go, okay, like, let's maybe stop working on this for a little bit or try mm -hmm. to figure out a, like a, a game plan to really make sure that this can be done or let's just do something else. Uh, and so mm -hmm. I wouldn't like, I worked pretty chronologically in terms of the story where it was like, all right, let's finish 90% of act one and then let's go to act two. Let's do 90% of act two. All right, let's go to act three. And so, but sometimes you're like, okay, I am having such a terrible time trying to do this code. Let's just do some illustrations for a while. Okay, the illustrations are really boring me. Let's just go back to the pixel art. And for mm. some reason, we're just going to make sure that every single uh, every single chair is rounded because that's important to me that the chairs are round. Uh, let's let's add a little thing. Let's add like pretty like I feel like pretty late in development was when I got the idea. So there's this really important monument in the game that's like the change god statue mm -hmm. and there's like the more you get into the game there's a random chance that uh the the change god's face will change to something else uh -huh. and that was that was something that i added pretty late because i was like okay i need to work on something else wouldn't it be funny if uh if i added that instead and um that was also and 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 so like kind of managing to jump around and try things that interest you and then trying to find ways to stay engaged. And at the same time, also knowing that if I if I try to add like some some different faces to the change god, how much time is that going to take me? Like trying to make sure that this is not something that's going to take me three months, but it's something instead that's just going to take me two days. And it's like, mm -hmm. all right, for the next two days, I'm only taking care of that and then it's going to change. So like, uh, yeah, like I would say that's the, the most important way to 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 finish like the, the most useful way to finish something is to find ways to stay engaged and to like the process because if you try to finish something just so you have something in the end you're gonna have an awful time especially if it's something that takes you two years it's like you're gonna spend 
two years being miserable when instead you could just find ways to make this interesting for you or like think what's going to be something that people are going to be really like surprised to see really interested to see and so that's what uh, a lot that's why that's why there's so many one-off little things that i'm like i'll just add that for funsies and that's going to be what i'm going to take (laughs) care of today uh so yeah that's how that's how i would say it yeah that's Awesome. awesome Well, speaking then a little bit about like the change God and let's talk a little bit about like the lore and the story of of the world that you've you've built here in, in Stars in Time. So the game, uh, very interestingly, it starts off with a party of adventurers near the end of their quest, um, which is a really cool choice that I think we want to talk with you a little bit about. But um, they are on a quest to stop the king uh, who is freezing the entire region in time. And the game starts the day before the party set to enter the king's castle, which was formerly the House of Change, um, and fight their way through and eventually fight the king. Um, But so you spend the first day of the game uh, getting to know your party members a bit, even though the characters already have pre-established relationships with each other, kind of figuring out where you as the main character, Sifrin, kind of fit in in this party and what your role is. Um, And then you enter the castle the next day, determined to defeat the king, and uh, you almost immediately meet a pretty avoidable end <laughs> and Sifrin <laughs> wakes back up and it's the beginning of the day before again and realizes that they are in fact stuck in a time loop um mm-hmm. why did you decide to start the story there <laughs> at the end of uh, the game i did for like half a second i did think about doing the whole story but i was like but that telling that story is pretty useless, though. Mm. Uh, that would just be a uh, normal, basic, typical RPG story where you try to save the world. Uh, and that would have been... And listen, the intro of the game is already long enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's already pretty long to get to the actual game. Uh, mm. So I, I didn't... I didn't I, I've, decided very early on that I could not do that. And I just really liked having, like not having to worry about how to change the characters' relationships to one another and making it clear immediately what kind of links and and, and how they interact with each other. Uh, And so that's why I decided to make it like the the very final boss. Uh, And... Yeah, I and then having it be restricted like this was also really helpful in terms of like the game scope. Because if I did decide to make it like the you're gonna have the whole adventure, and it's like, all right, I have to. I, I listen. I have to do the first village. I have to do a water temple. Mm-hmm. I have to do a fire temple. It's like okay, let's not. not a water wanna, temple. Yeah. That's a lot of temples. I don't want to do that. Um, so instead, I, I decided that it would be just the very the very end of their journey kind of make it somewhat clear the type of like that they had a journey and then you can just fill the rest in your head making it clear this is the relationships where they have and then there you go just just there you go <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, i mean for me the the touch of having the game start at what we would typically presume to be the end just was one of those things that immediately set this game apart and made me think like oh like what am I walking into I've I've never known what happens after the journey yeah. is complete like what like what am I walking into um and I I this next question is kind of relating back to what you mentioned a few minutes ago about sort of late game adding um you know the changing expressions on the change god's face statue and something that really stood out to me about this game and made it so 
so stuck in my mind is all of the little details that are folded yeah. into the game and the story stuff from like craft and the hand signals like loop uh telling Sifrin um you know make a little uh, phone signal <laughs> with your hand yeah. contact me all of Bonnie's um little snacks like all kinds of different foods from all kinds of different cultures um Sifrin's practice of of breathing deeply um at the end of battles um, like all of these different things come even like the naming conventions of spells. Um, like when you in your first battle, you yeah. realize um, some of them are like spell level four, like indicating that they've leveled up to get to the point where you're meeting the characters now. Like there's just so much the deeper you go into the game of, of these little, little thoughtful details. And I'm just curious, I guess this goes back a bit to your process. But like, how did you just manage to keep all of these ideas organized? Where did they come from? Did you have any trouble managing what you wanted to put into the game? And was there anything like, were there things that you felt like you couldn't fit in? Like, where did you stop? Where did you decide you had to stop? Uh, I, I do have a, a lot of uh, dialogues were, that were unused. And then um, I guess the way that I did it is... Um, like I would just lay awake at night and just have them talk in my head. And every so yeah. often I would just grab my phone and go, okay. And then this happens. And then we have this conversation. <laughs> and um, when it came time to actually make all of the different rooms, uh, it was like, all right, how can I put this event in this room? How do I make it fit? Uh or the reverse, where I would have the room figured out. It's like, okay, there's a closet here, there's this thing here, and there's this thing here. I want every single item in this room to have a little event. What kind of, like, okay, there's a book there. What's in the book? Uh, like, and then just just riffing. But honestly, that's a lot of riffing. It's just like, all right, there's a book there. Okay, they're in the classroom. Maybe the book mm -hmm. is like a list of all the students. What would they say about the list of all the students? Is there anything that's different about it? Is there, like, is there a way? And really, with all of those events, I wanted each event to either give you items, which is the boring thing to do, to be real, uh, or um, to give you some insights into the characters, to give you some insight into the world, or to give you a really, uh, really sad callback in like 30 acts where you're like, oh, this is cute. And then later on, you're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. But all, all, all along, like kind of like, he, 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 oh, my God, Sifrin doesn't <laughs> like croissants. And then three acts later, you're like, Sifrin doesn't like croissants. <laughs> That's why. Oh, my God. The events, the incident. <laughs> uh, so I, I really, so I honestly, a lot of that is, is really thing is just mm -hmm. what what do i put in there that's going to be interesting um just because yeah like why if if you have an object in the world why is this object here and what does mm -hmm. this object have and how how can it be different than the world that we're in is just stuff that I find really fascinating in terms of, of creating a story. So very early on, I actually made like a few uh, 
rules about like what was important in that world. Like I felt like like uh, language was very important, and more specifically, the mm. curses that they use, like the the bad words and that they would use, uh, and what how that would, yeah, yeah, exactly, and how how that would inform something about uh, about their culture. Food mm. is also super important. Um, anything to do with the stars and the sky is also something that that is absent and then you kind of see it and how they uh, same with the colors why like oh my god why like it's all in black and white like it's yeah. to to do with that um what about the books there's a lot of books because it's one of the basic uh pixel drawings that i had i was like i need to put books everywhere because that fills space oh and, oh oh now i have to decide what kind of books they are what would they read um so, so yeah, like knowing very early on, this is what's going to be important to this country in a broad sense. And then how can I make it more precise uh, to give more, mm-hmm. more, more flavor to the world? Mm-hmm. As a, going back a little bit on that topic, like as a storyteller, what do you think makes for great storytelling? <laughs> Secrets. Uh, uh, well i would say in two ways uh one is i feel like it is super important for your characters each of your character to have a secret uh whether it's said during the game or not but uh but but for for this secret to kind of inform who they are and how they react to things uh like mm-hmm. if i like without going into too much detail but i might spoil and act act for you a little bit but uh and honestly and all act for you realize that every single character has like something that is important to them that they are hiding mm-hmm. from everyone no actually i'll go with the basic one i'll go with isabel having a crush on Sifra because that's like the like, very beginning yeah. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> like, yeah. and it's like it's it's everywhere but um in a way that secret is not only linked to isabo and sifrin only but it's also linked to odile who's like oh i guess i'm i'm just hearing all about this and how how she is reacting to the fact that isabo has a crush and that she is the only other adult that knows about it and so mm. they have their own relationship in terms of that secret that bonnie is somewhat aware and is like that's stupid and gross and i don't want to hear about it and mm-hmm. mirabel who's like like does not even know anything about this even though you would expect her to know considering you can kind of tell that isabo and mirabel are so close so mm-hmm. why like kind of this sub sub secrets sub category of secret or like but why isn't he telling mirabel anything about it uh and how how does Sifren react to that secret? When do do they know about it? When don't they know about it? How does Isabel hide that secret or not? Mm. <laughs> or, or or is the main characters just completely not <laughs> reacting to it or whatever? Um, and so yeah, I feel like secrets in that kind of sense really inform a lot of the character why would they have the secret how are they hiding it how are they showing it are other characters reacting to that secret do they know about it all of that stuff and then uh secrets in the sense of um of there are some things that happen in the game that are are just like there, there are some questions that you might get while playing the game that i'm just not gonna answer like it's your mm-hmm. i always say it's your turn and i feel like 
that is one way to have a story really stick in the mind of people is that you have still questions about it like on, mm. my, my first example is like the movie inception is that and and at yeah. the end you know like he's starting it and it's like oh is it, like, does it stop or is he still in the dream or not version you're never gonna get an answer and that's why people were obsessed with that movie when it came mm-hmm. out it's just like what do you think all right we're on the water cooler what do you think was he still yes. in the dream or not and so that is um part of the reason that there are so many questions that i don't answer in the game and that i'm never gonna answer uh because honestly it's not i don't think it's important for me to reveal um Mm -hmm. and also i want you guys to think about it i just there you go (laughs) oh we're thinking about it exactly (laughs) i want you to think about it forever sorry (laughs) i'm laying awake at night thinking about it (laughs) (laughs) um so you know we touched a bit on the, the cast of characters um, in the story. Is there a character that you identified with the most? And if so, why? All of them in different ways, I would say. Mm. Um, I would say the character that I relate to the least uh, is uh, <laughs> Maribel. Mm. That's why it has always been kind of hard for me to write Maribel because mm. I'm like, I don't know. I don't really relate to that girl. Like that sounds like a skill <laughs> issue, but I love you. Uh, but um, yeah, otherwise, like literally every single character, even the king, I like the main characters, mm-hmm. not really the NPCs. I don't care. Uh, mm-hmm. But <laughs> uh, but every single sorry NPCs. Yeah, sorry NPCs. I don't. Most of you, I don't even know your names. I'll, I'll if someone asks me, I'll be like, um, that's a dictionary of names. <laughs> this is Emily. Thank you. Yeah. That's Emily. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, but yeah, for every single character, I made sure, well, not I made sure, it just happened, uh, to kind of put a little piece of myself in there. I'm never going to say which piece of myself goes, in, goes into which character. You don't, this is for me. This is not secret. For you. Those yeah. Are interesting. Yeah, this is my secret. You're, you're the audience. I don't know you guys. You're never going to know, okay? This is None of your business. <laughs> uh, but, but that's uh, what makes, um, like, that is a way. That's not the only way, but that is a way to make characters shine, I feel like, mm-hmm. is to kind of put a little moment, a little piece of yourself where you're like, this is important to me, or this is something about me that I am curious about, or this is about something about me that I hate, uh, or this is like a really exaggerated part of me, or like a way that I would react if. If like that, I know I would react if circumstances were different, and then I feel like that's kind of what makes um, characters. So like even for Maribel, that again, I'm like, all right, I don't, I don't get to Maribel. I'm like, but what if I was someone that was closer to Maribel? How would I react to things? Like if I was in her, like yeah, if if I was in her situation, how would I act? Um, if I if I had her brain, um, but yeah. Um, and and I feel like in a way that is why uh, the game is is resonating so much with people is that there are some like we all have terrible parts of ourselves that we don't mm. really want to show. And I'm like, all right, um, 
some parts are invented and that's like you think that's a durable part of me but actually i got you this was from my brain because i'm a writer i know what imagination <laughs> is but some of the parts are real and so you might not know but i feel like there are some like that there's like a resonance that people feel it's like oh like if i was in this situation or if if i was more like this i would also yeah i mean it suck like that <laughs> <laughs> The characters feel deeply human. I think that speaks to how much of yourself you put into them. And then also your your skill as a writer. But I similarly like there were so many little pieces that I connected with with each character, like so much of uh, Sifrin that I saw myself or aspects of Isabeau or, you know. So, yeah, I think that really comes through in the game and in the characterization. Uh, let's talk a little bit about gameplay um, and combat, since that's a big part of the mm-hmm. gameplay. Um, so again, for folks who haven't played the game, <clears throat> the the main uh, gameplay of the game, you know, you're moving through the castle, you're encountering these enemies that are called sadnesses. Uh, we'll talk about more more about that in a minute. Um, and the main combat of the game is based on rock paper scissors. Um, so the characters all have uh, these crafts, which is the term for like magic essentially in the game. And uh, enemies will have a certain craft that they specialize in that aligns with rock paper scissors. And your characters have crafts that align with rock, paper, scissors. And just like rock, paper, scissors, you know, rock beats scissors, paper beats rock. Uh, very simple, straightforward uh, mechanic that I think lends to the how frequently you're in combat and how quickly, especially as the game continues and you go through the loops, um, you know, you those combat encounters can go really quickly because it's just so easy to see what the enemy is coming at you with and respond to it and go through that. And then you also have this cool mechanic in there for for more complicated enemies of the jackpot attack, which is if the characters do, uh, was it, it's four, four or five? It's five, yeah. Five uh, of the same uh, craft type in a row. It'll result in a big team attack um, where everyone uh, attacks at the same time and does a lot of damage. Um, and they heal. Group heal, party heal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as you move through the castle, power there's love. <laughs> power <Yeah>. love. <laughs> uh, as you move through the castle, there's puzzles, there's traps, um, there's tears, which are uh, which freeze you in time and can be used to reset the loop. Um, you move through the castle, fighting the sadnesses and interacting with objects. We kind of talked about before about you know there's books, there's objects, there's things that the characters can interact with, which will trigger a conversation, um, and you'll learn more about each other through that. Um, and uh, there's, <laughs> as you begin to loop through the game, I really appreciated that you gave us the option to kind of fast forward or zone out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate that I felt a little guilted about using the zone out. <laughs> I, that's not my fault. I told you it was fine. You're the, like, that's what's really funny to me about some of that gameplay stuff is that I'm like, you know, you can do that. And then it's like, you don't have to check everything. You can just ignore what your, people, what your friends are saying. Like, it's fine. I mean, I have had a lot of people tell me, I never did it because I was scared. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like you're really close to, <laughs> that sounds like you're really worried about what people might think. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think I we're going to talk more about this here in a minute, but I really appreciate how much friction the game gives you as you're playing through it. Yeah. Even though at times I was very like, yeah, as someone who has a lot of social anxiety who wants people to perceive me as like a good yeah. person, like even within the game, I was feeling triggered of like, 
well, fuck if I zo-, like, you know, especially when you get to those really important yeah. conversations yeah. with characters and it's like, it's like oh, you're right. telling me about your uh, traumatic history. I can't, I can't zone out right now. That's yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. But so, so the zoning out basically uh, fast forwards the text because the whole game is a uh, text based. So it fast forwards the text so you can very quickly move through things that you've encountered before in a previous loop. And uh, very generously, like the game will stop the fast forwarding if you encounter text that's new to you this time. Although some Sometimes by fast, you know, you tune out and then you get the new screen and you're like, I, what I, don't, remember, I don't remember what the context <laughs> is for this now. And that would stress me out, too, because mm-hmm. um, you'll get like a dialogue option that wasn't there before. You know, something small will change. Um, there's also the equipable memories. Um, so as your characters move through and, and they level up Sifrin, uh, who's the, the main character, who's uh, the one that's aware of the time loops. Um, they're constantly gaining experience and getting stronger with each loop as they move through the castle. But your party members don't remember going through the loops. So they reset every time. But you do, as you work your way through the game, earn these memories that you can equip on the party members to give them skills and stuff that they unlocked in a previous loop. I thought that was a really smart um, a smart way to give us some of the buffs that we had earned with while still still being just withholding enough to continue mm-hmm. to be a little bit frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, let's yeah. talk, let's talk about the frustrating aspect of the game. Right? Like let's just, let's just get into this because hilariously I'll just share that Adrian joined the call while Spencer and I were prepping for the conversation. And I was going off about like how much I, well, I was saying I love this game, but there's parts of it that are really fucking frustrating. Um, like in the middle of the game, I was getting so frustrated at the point where my partner is sitting next to me on the couch is like, why are you playing this game? Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I've got to go start the time loop again. Um, there's that friction is so important, I think, to where you get at the end of the game, to what, oh, yeah. how I felt at the end of the game. It like mm-hmm. it so completely immersed me in Sifrin's experience and perspective. I was like, I think it's I do think it's essential, but there's also a big risk to putting oh, yeah. your players in a situation where they are going to be annoyed that they have to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Um, and it sounds like you're really aware that that frustration exists, <laughs> yeah. that it was really intentional. So could you talk to us a little bit about that? Like, how did you try to balance that? Were you trying to balance it? Were you nervous about creating that much friction? Why was that so important to you to get into the game? The real answer is I didn't think it was going to be that bad. Everyone's <laughs> <laughs> just been shitting on you about this. Yeah. And and I'm, like, like, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. I'm so god oh my god well that was on purpose and i'm like it was kind of but I, but i'm still like, like I, I have seen some people uh um compare the game to games like jack and guard and fear and hunger and i'm like mm-hmm. which are both very much games that 100 percent are here to frustrate you and to put you in like actual despair while mm-hmm. you're playing the game i'm like is it that bad? I don't think it's that bad. But whatever. Like, it works with the points, so I'm not gonna... <laughs> Like, that's the whole... Like, honestly, I am... I, I like, So, again, I didn't think it was that bad. But uh, the fact that it frustrates people is honestly such a bonus for me. I'm like, oh, that's amazing that it frustrates people because that is the whole point. Uh, I did mean, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I did try to add a lot of quality of light uh, of life stuff uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that, for example, like, 
like for a long time, every time you died, you were supposed to go back to Dormont and not be able to like go through the different floors. And then it's after a few months that I was like, I think I should create a teleport screen. That was um, generous of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. thank you. Exactly. Because like, because uh, the reason is that at the start, I figured that it would take, like I wanted to be, I was very inspired by roguelike games. Mm. And I wanted, like, I wanted to maybe from like the, the first town to the top of the castle, I wanted you to take maybe 20 minutes to go f- from there to there. And that's why you would only lose 20 minutes. And then I added so many things that it was not going to take 20 minutes to someone. And I was like, okay, I need to put, <laughs> I need to put some, some check, some checkpoints. Um, but yeah, the fact that it is frustrating people is so amazing to me i am really really glad and i feel like there are some people that are gonna completely like abandon the game because of that frustration but again the same thing with the secrets is that it's gonna stick in people's minds because it is frustrating and people are gonna talk about it with their friends because it is frustrating and so that mm-hmm. works I like that. Um, yeah, I, I and and there are when it comes to like the gameplay, for example, the zoning out, I like that is also a quality of life thing, but I wanted to make sure very early on, okay, you need to be able to like uh fast forward through all of that dialogue that you've seen. Uh and I wanted to feel like an actual thing that Sifrin would do. And so there are moments where um, Sifrin just doesn't notice that something has changed. For example, in Act 3, there is like there are like two lines uh, that get skipped that are new that Sifrin doesn't notice are new. And then I think the next time if you do the same things, Sifrin does kind of stop and go, oh, oh, that was different before. And it's also different now. Okay. Um, And there are moments where uh, the fast forward will stop. And not only because you have a choice to make, because like every time you have a choice to make like the fast forward stop, you have to make the choice and then you can start fast forwarding again. But there are um, some moments where Sifrin stops zoning out. And those are either moments where something really different is happening or every single time that Isabeau tries to confess, Sifrin just goes, no we are listening this is important and that's also a thing of a big frustration thing but i was like <laughs> because it never changes because it is still like is, 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 is. no no not, no it's not gonna happen but i'm still gonna make you the player wait through like five lines where it's like i'm making you you, you press the button and then it takes like a second for the rest of the text to appear because Maybe you, the player, in a, a little bit are like, it, it's stopping. So is it time? And Cassifrin mm. is like, is it time? It's, ne- <laughs> it's never time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, what, how, to whatever degree, you know, it was or wasn't intentional. I think it, the effect of it is in, is genius like the end result is <laughs> is is so powerful. Um, and to some degree too, it it's like it's my fault a little bit that I'm getting annoyed because you've given yeah. us the tools to be yeah. able to just loop back pretty close to where we need to go, get the one thing and loop forward or loop back, you know, whatever. Like we have the tools to keep those loops short, 
but my own internal like I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to have to keep repeating everything. So I feel like if I do the whole thing, like if I go through the whole loop from start to finish, then I'll be able to grab everything I need and then I won't need to loop back again. So like my own uh, like feelings of completionism and my own feelings of like, I can't miss anything are what's keeping me from experiencing it in a way that's going to be less frustrating. And so you're just, you're like fighting with yourself a little bit, which is what Sifrin's doing too. And yeah, yeah, and that's right. Very early on, uh, I have loop, uh, like, it, I maybe some people don't see it, I, or they forget, but you can talk to loop where you're like, should I check everything every time? And loop is like, you don't have to, you can just check like, the th- three events that you like every Yeah, loop but I don't trust can, loop either. That is one thing that is one thing I did not you expect. Can, you can <laughs> go now, you know, and just be an asshole to your friends. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's one thing where I was like, okay, like, I, I did mess up at the, for that one where I didn't, I, I, I hoped that, of course, that people would be suspicious of Loop, the character, but I didn't think it was going to be to the extent that the player wouldn't trust Loop when they mm. say things. And so I'm like, okay, I messed that one up. I'm sorry. I should have tried. But I think it's also very fascinating because you have yeah. the tutorial character that literally gives you tutorials. That's like, maybe you don't have to do this thing and it's fine. And then everyone's like, but I don't trust you, though. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right, anyone, I don't... <laughs> I anyone who's hung out with Loop for the day knows not to trust them. On That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, I'll say that, um, you know, decades of gaming and decades of RPGs have trained me mm-hmm. to always look in every drawer, That's interact true. with every item. Um, pay attention to every dialogue um, because there may be nuggets of information there. And at first it was something where, similar to Jamie, I think there was this guilt feeling or this expectation that, no, like, is it really the same every single, t- every single time? Like, is it an, and you mm-hmm. sneaky person, you, like you did put in things here and there that were slightly different. And so yeah. it would get in my head and make me mm-hmm. think like, Okay, I'm suddenly seeing um, an interaction that wasn't there. Yeah, I have to check everything every time. Um, But something that fascinated me about the game is that how that guilt slowly morphed into real horror um, because there would be loops that would end horrifically. Thanks for that, by the way. Um, I would have moments where I, you know, um, Sifrin would start to, to lose lose track and 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 loop back and i would be like no 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 wait like i have chills <laughs> my my blood is running cold my heart is pounding right Yay! now and you wake up in that field at the beginning of the loop again back two days prior and um like for folks just for a recap recap for folks who may not be have played it yet it's like you wake up in this field um and most of the time um one of your party members mirabelle comes into the field to, to wake you up and find you and you start talking and you, you realize you've restarted the day again and those moments where um she didn't come and i'm waking up in that field alone i would find myself like racing to talk to one of my companions and make sure like are you okay like i want to talk to you and i want to study your dialogue because like is this like a russian doll situation where you're like slowly deteriorating like are all of you really fine even if you're not aware that you're going through these things over and over and over again like is it really not affecting you in the way it's affecting me like you pulled that off (laughs) 
<laughs> and that was one really of the, well. that was one of the rules that I gave myself. Like I, I I wasn't super duper clear on the um time loop rules in the game itself because I wanted to leave it kind of like what's what are really the rules I wanted the player to kind of be wondering. But one of the things is that I'm gonna go into spoilers a little bit just for one line, but I whatever happens in a loop before is never going to influence the rest of the loops uh, because again, I really liked that feeling of like that the player would have that feeling of, okay, what happened was so horrifying Mm -hmm. that obviously this must be linked. Like it's going to link to the next loop and there's going to be consequences for what happens. But I feel like not having consequences is worse Mm. and and, and more affecting, especially because Sifrin goes through such horrors and, and no one can understand. And even at the end, spoiler for the end of the game, but Sifrin stops looping. And I, don't like it the other characters are never gonna know what happened unless Sifrin is the one that one that tells them because I really wanted for better or worse I only wanted it to be Sifrin's experience mm-hmm. and and I and I love time loop stories where it does influence kind of like you know the Madoka Magica type stuff where it's like oh mm-hmm. because you went through all of those loops before it is influencing the now, and I was like no I don't want I don't want that like this is because then it, it has less less power in a weird mm-hmm. way it's like it's gonna affect you less if you know that there's a chance. And so that's why there's, again, a conversation with Loop where Sifrin's like, since I remember, isn't there a chance that everyone else will remember? remember? And, and, and Loop is like, no, like this, this pain is yours and yours alone. Like no one else, no one else is going to understand unless you talk to people. And mm. I feel like that really, really good. Like that goes with the themes. That goes with yeah. the whole point. And uh, if they kind of magically remembered, it's like, that's... That's such a cop-out. I don't like it. <laughs> yes, it's uh, pretty key to Sifrin's growth to mm-hmm. have to, to have talk. To talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, um, one more thing on the loops, like just from a from a creation process, like was there anything difficult around staying organized or keeping things straight, writing a story with so many loops? Like what was that like for you? I'm good. I'm, I'm really well organized. So I'm You're like, good. I've got that big brain. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> I'm all good. I don't know. It sounds like a scale issue again. Yeah. No, no, like the thing is, I use a program called OneNote and mm. I really like it to be to have all of my notes because you have you have tabs here and then you have sub tabs here and then you can have even more sub tabs. And so again, like I was when I was writing the the story, uh, even before I started really going to the nitty gritty, I was like, all right, act one and two, Sifrin is kind of thinking like this and the mood of the game itself is going to be very, uh, like, it's going to be okay. Like, it's like, this is a normal, cute little game, even though there might be like a moment of two where you're like, oh, it feels, ooh, what's happening here? I don't know. All right, that's a little strange, but we're going to gloss. We're just fine. Um, Act three is when you're like, 
all right, that's a little scary. That's mm. a little worrying. I feel like I am starting, like you could figure out a lot of the game and the secrets if you, uh, if you had the brain for it, like if you were thinking, if you, if you were really good at like making all the, the crazy, <laughs> the crazy lines and everything. And then act four is the moment where you're like, okay, oh my God, is this a horror game? I feel like there are moments yes. that are making me really unsettled. And then act five is just like, all right, there we go. I'm, I'm just having pain. fun now. <laughs> yeah. Pain? I'm, but yeah, pain for you. Fun for me. <laughs> oh my God. Absolutely. Um, well, let's, uh, yeah, we, we want to talk about the themes. We want to talk about presentation with you a little bit. Let's start with presentation. You used a monochrome art style. It's got this mix of, uh, the pixel art and the hand-drawn character designs, um, for the, for the little, you know, the images of the characters, which I, I, just the whole look of the game is really, really fucking good. <laughs> I, I really liked it a lot. Um, were there any sources of inf- inspiration that you had when defining the art style of the game? Not really. I mean, and by that, I mean a thousand, but I wouldn't be able to like say there's yeah. like one in particular that really inspired me. Uh, I, the, the black and white style, though, uh, was because when I started making the game, uh, I was drawing a lot of comics in black and white. And that was after years of making them in color. And then I just and then I had like a, a couple of years when I had so many ideas, but I was like, I don't want to have to worry about colors and figuring out colors and figuring mm. out that stuff. So it was just like, let's just do it in black and white. And when came the time to, to making the game, uh, I was struggling with colors so much, but I was like, I'm just going to do it in black and white. I don't really, <laughs> I don't know what's going to stop me. Uh, and, and that was kind of the, the challenges that I gave myself. Uh, when I do projects, I always try to give myself a, a certain amount of constraints uh, because it's more fun and because it does allow you to like um, challenge yourself in that uh, in that way. And so the black and white was uh, both for ease of drawing uh, and then also kind of in a way, uh, how do you how do you make stuff stand out when you don't have colors to kind of rely on? Uh, and so that was one thing where I was really struggling with that. And, and uh, my producer from Armor Games, Dora, really helped me figure that out, is how to make it clear that, okay, you need to check, check this place because there's a key there, how to make the key kind of stand out. And we kind of mm. settled on the, the sparkle, the sparkles. Uh, but that was a lot of like trial and error to figure out like, what are we, what am I going to do to make sure that it kind of stands out? Um, yeah. So it's just, I, I just, I just like black and white. I don't <laughs> And, and now this means that now that I gave myself that, like for my next project, no matter what it is, it's going to be in color. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to, but I have to. <laughs> I mean, even though the choice was kind of preference and a constraint, like you said, to to make it monochrome, I did find that I really enjoyed the way that that tied into the narrative as well. Like I remember in particular, there's a scene where... Um, like Batim is in a in the library or something reading books and Odile mentions something about color theory yeah. and Bonnie or someone is like, what's a color? Yeah. Um, like I love that little touch of like, oh, like this is like we're seeing what the characters are seeing in a way. Mm. Um, and then in the sense of the the sort of monotony and an ongoing slog of being in this loop again and again and the use of static, almost like watching um a cartoon on an old TV, yes. um, like that effect was really cool. 
and the impact, like like the breaking of that monotony. I mean, I guess this is a spoiler, small spoiler, mm-hmm. but late game there is the use of red um, to really uh, connote how shit has hit the fan. Yeah. Like, like all of that um just it it really contributed to the overall impact of the game so for for a somewhat off off the cuff yeah, choice, oh, yeah. it really paid off and, and that's the thing is that i feel like there's so many things that i was like i'm just gonna do that for for shits and giggles and then it ended up being like a whole thing and the, the black and white was part of it i remember that i had kind of a, a a little idea where I was like, oh, if I, if I, like, that was super early on in development. So don't, don't think that it's going to happen. But um, I had an idea where, oh, if I'm going to make like a, uh, more adventures, like that's going to happen after the game. Really interesting. If they, one day came across like colors and they would go like you don't know what this shade mm. is and i was like oh, that's such a cool idea though <laughs> this should be in the actual game instead of like putting it in, on the side on like a, a, a side story I'm like oh this should be in there but it's just really cool <laughs> totally that's awesome um now let, let's let's get into the meaty stuff the emotional shit right let's talk about about some of the themes in this game because man like this game took me on a journey (laughs) Um, i mean for one thing there's there's great uh stuff there's great representation of found family lots of great lgbtq plus representation in the game all the characters are queer in some fashion even if it's not their defined but it's you know it's never their defining Mm -hmm. characteristic right i just love that queerness is just like such a baseline and such a accepted like part of the world that you built um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the change religion um, mm-hmm. first, especially in relation to the king's desire to freeze time and that being such a central conflict in the game. Um, in the game, uh, folks uh, follow the change religion, which is basically this uh, concept that everything, they just embrace change in all of its forms. Um, there's obviously some interesting uh, parallels and conversation there to be had around transness, around gender fluidity. Um, but also uh, characters just believe that you should be constantly pushing yourself to change. And on the other side of that coin, you have the king who is literally who literally wants nothing to change. He was freezing the world in time. Um, and there's this like so much sadness with the king too, right? Like, again, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but the first time you meet the king, he's literally a figure who's on his knees weeping. Um, his like minions, so to speak, that are that you're fighting throughout the house are called sadnesses. The vast majority of those are crying. Um, tears are dangerous to touch; they freeze you in time. Uh, let's talk a bit about this. Like, what? Where did this idea come from? What did this all mean to you as you infused the game with these themes of change versus the desire to like hold everything the same and like the I don't know the grief that's tied to that. Yeah. Um... I got the idea of like making like I wanted when you have like a, a, an RPG or something with fantasy, I feel like it is kind of like 90% of the time you're going to have to talk about religion in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and I'm an atheist. I don't know anything about religion. So that was something where I was kind of worried about it. I was like, I hope I'm not going to offend someone with that. And and I asked like a bunch of friends that are religious, like, hey, is this okay? Or am I, <laughs> am I saying something that is super offensive and I just didn't notice? I hope this is okay. And then I got a bunch of feedback thanks to that. Um, 
And, uh, and then, so since I was making a religion all about change and I wanted to do that in contrast with, you know, the whole time loop thing. And I thought this would be an interesting, um, duality when it comes to that and to also make the king a figure well if you make a religion about change you have to make the villain someone who doesn't change and early like for for a really long time i really wanted to make the king uh irredeemable and in the way where it and, and, and i didn't do that in the end obviously uh but i i really wanted to make because I was at, at the time, I was very tired of all of a bunch of stories where they would show you someone that does horrible things and then they go, but do they have a point? And I was really mm. tired of that. And, and I think in one of my very early notes, and then I didn't end up keeping that, is that I was like, king equals fascist that's what i had i was like there you go uh i don't like like, that was one of my my rules and i think that's the one rule that i didn't follow for for this for all of my constraints that make make the king a character that cannot that you you cannot sympathize with in the slightest but i i like writing villains so i ended up sympathizing like i ended up giving him a somewhat sympathizing um backstory i know some people are still like no the king is the worst i'm like but he's my baby he's my little meow meow i like him i definitely had an oh no he's hot moment when i met the king (laughs) he's my little guy listen i like him i'm sorry uh and i but at the beginning since i was like okay he's a fascist and i'm gonna make him a figure that that cries but at the same time he is hiding his face Mm. so is he really crying like i wanted Mm. to kind of give that like that and and, and in the in the actual game to some to some extent is he really crying or is he faking or is he actually upset or is he's just yeah, or is he just faking it for like? For, is, is it just crocodile tears? Um, and then even even now, like I think I feel like it's it could be up to interpretation. Uh, and as I figured out uh, the back, his backstory and Sifrin's backstory and everything, uh, I was like, well, I, I I failed. That's just way too much of a compelling backstory. I like him now. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I. I that that was really interesting for me uh and for the change religion itself um like i did a lot about like a lot of research about how would you get to that point like to that point in the religion and creating that religion and i feel like if you are like in that kind of fantasy world where you have magic and everything and and that you have this kind of magical um magic system that's all around creation there would they might probably be something to do with change and creating and creating and creating and for that creation to go towards the body and the mind itself and uh you and and them going as far as going you can't just create once and then have a masterpiece you have to continue to create uh and for your own body that means constantly changing uh and then i i i I honestly didn't really like at the start and then it happened but i did i didn't intend for that to become like a, a, a transgender or a gender allegory it just happened and i was like you know what that is really <laughs> that's pretty queer that's pretty queer
queer. I like that. I didn't mean to do that, but that's pretty queer. Um, and so same thing. I mean, you have the image of a cracking egg in your chain. <laughs> that one was on purpose. That one was on purpose. I added it later, but that one was on purpose. That was at the moment where I was like, okay, that is queer. Okay, sure. Um, but but yeah, to uh, and then starting with like, if you have a religion all about change, how would that affect the people? And something that you rarely see. How would that affect gender? How would that affect sexuality? And I feel like this is the kind of world where they they don't have the concept, uh, like I feel like they don't have the concept of being transgender. It's just like, or like, have you changed or not? And yeah. kind of changed to, to one gender and then came back. That's still changing. That is still exploring yourself. Uh, and I, I feel like they also wouldn't have the concept of like, um, being homosexual or, or being heterosexual or being um, bisexual because it is all change also on its own. Um, but then I did go, I, I did go as far as going, yeah, okay. If they are, if they would be so accepting about change, first of all, I didn't touch on that at all, but I am sure they would be really crazy about sex and uh, rep like reproducing and having babies because that's what changes, right? Uh, and so people that are asexual and aromantic probably are feeling not great in that society. That yeah. is, the, like, this is a utopia for trans people. This is a utopia for, uh, for, for um, people that are sexually and, and uh, um, romantically attracted to people. Uh, asexual people and aromantic people are fucked <laughs> like, do, what do you mean you're not changing like don't you know that love is uh, love and sex are some of the most important things to change like that allow you to change and know yourself and change your body uh, especially uh, if you um if you have a uterus why don't you want that uh and mm -hmm. so i really wanted to explore that uh in, in with mirabelle who's um uh, arrow ace and how she would feel about being someone who loves that religion so much and and um really loves so many parts of it and how it allows her to to change and know so many things but at the same time it is a religion that is against who she is and does not have the capacity to really understand the way that she is and so i wanted to kind of um yeah explore that a little and i and I, I you know i didn't put a solution to that i was kind of like i mean you could just you can just try to still do it and then see if that counts as like yeah game the system and say that hey this is a way to change i'm just trying a new way to live that's changing and then it's <laughs> But I feel like that that would work because I feel like this religion also doesn't have like that wouldn't have as much as like a an opposition to change like to change. But it's like you know what we've never tried that before. Let's just try it uh, and, and mm -hmm. see what happens. We would just be like sure, whatever. Um, but yeah, like re uh, researching all of that and trying to think about how like that, that, that is really my one world building tip that I would give. It's like just start with one thing and then how would this one thing influence all of these other parts? How would it influence the way people live and everything? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I feel like there was something so powerful about exploring this idea that I mean, initially, like to me as well, this this belief system built around change. Like I was like, where do I sign up? Like this is, right? this is <laughs> I mean, I can't describe mm -hmm. how it felt. I think one of the time, one of the many times I cried in this game was, was hearing Isabeau say, 
you know, talking about how change is destruction, that to change your body, Mm. to change how you, the face you show the world, you have to be prepared to let go of everyone and everything in your life. Um, There's no change like that without sacrifice. And that's something that, um, you know, in my lived experience as a trans person who made the decision to embark on some aspects of a medical transition, Mm. um, like those were things I had to learn the hard way. um, And to see that come out of a character who also went through this process of, of changing themselves. Um, it was so powerful in ways that like, like I was speechless um, seeing this in Yay. the game. And then later to see that, you know, there is no, any belief system is going to uh, isolate or alienate some people. Like no belief system is infallible. No belief system should just be accepted a hundred percent and not mm. questioned and not changed over time and not interpreted in different ways. And, and to see, um, you know, Mirabelle struggle, like what is my place in the change religion as an arrow ace person? I was so floored by that. Like I thought it, that was such an important facet to explore of like, I, I think in our real, in our real world, you know, um, queerness, and faith sometimes feel in opposition mm, of each other, absolutely. not because of who we are, but because of the way our society at large chooses how a majority may choose to interpret a text that, you know, maybe was written mm-hmm, thousands mm-hmm. of years ago and all, mm-hmm. all these reasons, you know, it's like I, I myself and, and people close to me have struggled with like, where, where do I, where is my place in this? Do I have a place in this? If there is a God, Mm. What do they feel about me? Like, how am I supposed to reconcile what I believe and what everyone is telling me about, um, you know, whether or not I'm, my existence is tolerable due to Mm. my interpretation of this faith. Like having both this, the world of this game um, with a belief system that um, in a lot of ways is very inclusive but still there's room for that tension in our real world of, of faith and queerness and what that means. Um, and also the inherent spirituality of like being trans, of, of, of oh, enacting yeah. change in, in, in ways in our own lives. Like all, there's just so much to unpack. I could just <laughs> yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, I, I, completely, I completely agree. I feel like, it, like I really wanted to, to try like showing that, yeah, that, that being, that being trans and changing your gender and then even like going against the grain by, by not being heterosexual is it, mm-hmm. such a, a, a spiritual thing and, and such a powerful thing to kind of allow yourself and yeah, allow yourself to change, even though society might not be okay with that and still going, no, but like, this is, this is what's best for me. Uh, and mm-hmm. this is what I want to do. And I know that some people may not accept it. And and that's what the destruction again is all about. It's like, I, I, I want to change because it's going to make me happier because it's not going to make me feel better in, in my skin and my body. And just uh, knowing that either that means that some part of your body is going to be destroyed, that some some uh, some re- the relationships that you have with other people are going to uh, might be destroyed, or that the per like in and even just that the the person that you were before, even mm. if that was someone sad, uh, it is still someone that is going to disappear because you're going to change for the better, and and being try like trying to reconcile that fact of like is it 
is it okay for me to change and to be someone different, even though it's, it means I'm going to be happier? Is it, is it fair to the person I was before to have to completely change so that I can mm. be happy instead of trying to accept myself as I am, you know? Because there's always like that kind of, oh, I, you should be happy with who you are. And it's like, but sometimes it's really hard. <laughs> I wish I could just be someone else. And if I was someone else, I would be happier. And I wanted mm-hmm. like to put that with Isabeau's story in particular, where Isabeau like starts by saying like, the person that I was before, like I, I, I killed them. Like they do not exist anymore. I killed them. I have replaced them. And that is kind of sometimes the way that you have to think to, to survive and be okay with it. And then Isabeau immediately goes, Going, actually, but it's really dark the way that I phrased it. It's more like that. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes that's just how it is, but it's also really dark. And instead, maybe let's try to think about it also in terms of like I I, I made an armor instead of the person mm. that was that wasn't happy to protect that person, and now I am the armor. There is still the the real me inside of me, uh, but I am also that the the, the body, like the armor has become the body kind of. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so that was important for me to really talk about that because that is some stuff that I, I struggled myself, in, even if not exactly in, in the way that Isabel has struggled with it, and not even sometimes in a in a in a, tra- a transgender way, just like in a way that is like like I was painfully shy as a child, and I was like, all right, I like I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just ruining my life. I'm gonna to have to train myself out of that, and and sometimes I think about the the child child that I was before. I'm like, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Like I had like I had to go. I think you understand, right? All right, bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think um, just we've talked on this podcast before about how games can be tools for building empathy, for understanding mm-hmm. ourselves, understanding the world around us. And I, I did think it was really special how this game imagined a world where, you know, we could do away with with labels entirely and have a, a culture, a society built around this concept of change. Like, what would that look like? What could we be allowed to be if we didn't have these preconceived notions of roles and labels and things like that? I know that labels are important self-identifiers, and I'm not trying to say for to anyone people, that... For some people, it's um, really, yeah, really it's good. important. Yes. However, love that for, for, for a lot, yeah, I love that for you. There's, there's also a reason I call myself queer and that, I, like, it's not... Mm-hmm. Like, it, and, and that is... Uh, especially if you are in online spaces, there is mm. such a push for you. Yeah. Okay. Like you're bisexual, but like how, like what's your percentage? Like mm. <laughs> how many percentage mm-hmm. are you attracted to, to women and how many percent, how much percentage yes. are you attracted to, to men? And it's like, right. I'm just, I'm just there. Like, I don't, do you want me to go into the sub boxes every time? Like that's really, yeah. really tiring. I understand yeah. how that's, and, and for some people that's like, no, that's exactly what I need. I just, yeah. And now I, for I, some have, people, I have decided I not even, to relate. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't even identify being bisexual that way. To me, being bisexual is attracted to similar or other genders. It's like we might not even be talking yeah. from the same frame of reference about what this identity even exactly. means. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> but so sometimes we, we have such such different ways that, that we define a word. And so for bisexual, yes. like, that's like a whole thing where it's like, all right, <laughs> what do you mean by bisexual? Do you mean this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one? Same thing yes. with the sexual aromantic it's like all right but like are you are you fine with having sex or you're not fine with having sex and so that's why it was really interesting to have this scene with mirabella and sifrin talking about their uh their asexuality because they have 
pretty different ideas of what that means. And they don't go into details with it. And I, like, I feel like they, they would probably in the future have a really interesting conversation where they would just talk past each other. And then they go, oh, wait, that's what it means to you. OK, let's go back and start the, this conversation again. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and so that's why. Another of my rules is that for for this world, I did not want to use any of those words. And so that's why Mm. they never say the word asexual. They never say the word aromantic. They never say the word transgender. Uh, Like all all of those, I just want, like part, part of it is like, I didn't want to talk about this. And the other part is also like, that feels always a little strange to me when you have a fantasy world and be like, hey, mm. all right, l- let's go yonder to the tavern and talk about being transgender. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? You're saying tavern and transgender in the same <laughs> sentence. You can't do that. <laughs> but that's a personal thing. It's just that for me, like, yeah. those, like I know those are very, like, old concepts but i feel like the word transgender seems like such a modern word such a clinical oh. term yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like you can't talk about my god like oh we yeah. can't do that <laughs> yeah. yeah at ye old gay bar <laughs> <laughs> well i do before we end i do want to take a beat to just talk about cifrin a little bit more um because i think one thing we haven't talked about is um you know any of us who've played rpgs are used to the concept of the silent protagonist um and in a lot of ways cifrin is very quiet doesn't always speak up doesn't always share what they're thinking other characters comment on the air of mystery around him mm-hmm. things like that um and something that being able to peek into Sifrin's inner monologue, inner dialogue, and the the deep, deep pain there, the depression, the anxiety, the questioning of whether he's deserving of love, the um, the way they he breathes, and that grounding of of constantly needing to center himself, um, and just all of the aspects of moving through the world, the 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 pain of realizing that others think that he doesn't like to be touched, that he doesn't want hugs, that he doesn't need signs of affection from them. Um, I just, I can't think of another game in, in recent memory where I felt this, um, this scene in my mental illness <laughs> <laughs> and my neurodivergence mm. and my trauma and still being the hero of the story. I mean, I, I, I guess you could argue that um, the whole, he's, he's the, fifth the whole party. party <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but this the is a story where the he's the protagonist. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Um, and to have that be to given space to be okay, to be like that and not have the goal be, Oh, you're cured. You're fixed. Um, mm. You know, you've, you've healed entirely from this, like the acknowledgement that healing from this is a lifelong process. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I was wondering if you had anything, any thoughts to share on just that whole, <laughs> that whole thing. Um, <laughs> the, the whole thing. Uh, I would say less when it comes to In Stars and Time Cifrin, but the uh, the Cifrin that I wrote in the prologue uh, was very much uh, like very much came to life as a result of my subconscious feelings about the uh, the pandemic and the lockdown. Mm. And so it like it's always a very funny moment because every time I finish a project um, and then I look at it like a couple months or even years later, I'm like, oh, I was going through this 
this exact thing. And then while I was making the prologue, I was like, I don't think I'm going through anything. I think it's all fine and dandy. When I finished it, and then a couple of months later, I'm like, oh, I was so touch starved because of the lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> because I, like, I was working from home. I didn't really have friends that I could see. And so I would just spend literally the whole time at home not seeing anything or talking to anyone it was fine for like for like a few months it was like um it's just like i don't like it's not even here this is like on the side and i don't really notice that even though it's taking up the whole room uh but but yeah replaying the prologue now i'm like ooh, your girl was not okay mm. she's not cool she's not good um and uh and really like i and and of course, a lot of those feelings in the prologue are like, uh, up, like exaggerated up to eleven, where it's like, just like, just someone touch me, like that kind of feeling, like just, just, oh my god, I'm just going next to them, and this is it, I'm all good, and also no, no worries, but like, did you know that if you don't touch people, you go insane? That's just a fun fact. Mm. Siffrin's not thinking about that, and the developer is not thinking about that either. That's just a fun fact. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, and then uh, for for In Stars and Time, Siffrin, uh, it was a lot less about that because then I, I, I figured out ways to get better <laughs> after the lockdown, and um, and so it was about taking those kind of facts that I added to the prologue, like Siffrin doesn't like to be touched, Siffrin is pretty depressed, Siffrin doesn't talk to their friends, and then just try, like again, like going at, as a base here, and it's like, okay, Siffrin doesn't like to be touched, but are his party members noticing that he doesn't like to be touched or is it like is this a new thing that just happened in the loops or would it be more mm-hmm. interesting if that was always a thing and it just got exasper- exasperated by like the uh the time loop that uh that he's in uh and same about like the the depression is this something that happened during the time loop or was this some was it something that was always there to some extent and then just got up to 11 so that was a lot of those um uh, like that prologue Siffrin was already my own feelings but pretty exaggerated and Stars in Time was just like alright let's d- like instead of digging into me for a bit let's dig into the character and, and how would Siffrin start getting those symptoms those way of reacting to things like the I, I think the, in the prologue I added the you breathe in and out at the end of every mm-hmm. battle um, and so I was like okay but like that, that, that's a cool line that I added. But why? Like, that's a lot of. I was riffing the whole time, but like, why is it here? <laughs> You're just I, riffing I, gold left and right. right yeah. this whole but that's that's a, that's that's the thing is that I feel like since I there were a lot of things where I were like, okay, this is this is set in stone. This is set in stone. This is set in stone. A lot of the other things just happened on their own. Like one thing that really made me laugh when we. Um, showed the the first trailer for in stars in time and then we show Sifrin's first death which is being uh, pancaked by like a boulder and then you had people like i was like this is just a funny death this is a funny cartoon death and that way you're not taking this game too seriously yet. Mm. and uh and in the discord i had a lot of people that started saying oh i get it it's because Sifrin is scissors type and this is a rock that's falling <laughs> on him and so that's like that's that's because Sifrin, that's because Sifrin is weak to rock that's obviously why it's here and i'm like yeah. wow yeah 
Yeah. Oh my god. The whole time. The whole time. The whole time. That was exactly what. That's why I did it. Oh my god. You know what? You're so smart for noticing. Thank you so much. Yeah. You did it. That was 100% on purpose. And there's still a lot of things like that that are happening. And now every single time, I'm like, yep. (laughs) Did that on purpose. Thank you for noticing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. But you heard it here first. You can just, uh, you know, fake your way to genius. Oh, yeah. Yeah, You have to fake it until that's like my motto fake it till you make it. And sometimes you're like, yeah, of course I did that. But now it just reflects on you as like your innate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like sensibility. Na- yeah, exactly. Natural genius. Nat- mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. Born, born genius. Don't have to think about it. It just happens. Thank you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> in case uh, folks haven't picked up on this from our conversation, if you have not played in Stars in Time, you should go play it. Give this game a shot. Work through any frustrations that you have in the middle section. Mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm, worth mm-hmm. it. This game will bring you to tears multiple times. Um, and passion. I really, really enjoyed my time with it. And now I'm just uh, sweating over whether or not I should go back and try to get the platinum on PlayStation. Because <laughs> it seems like there's a lot more secrets in there hidden that I probably want to find. Oh, yeah, uh, there's a bunch. I don't know if people have done guides already, so I'm sure you could find a guide of someone. Yeah. Being, oh, how do I get this? And it's like, there you go. We, we've been asked this 10,000 times. <laughs> Where's the guide? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Well, unfortunately, time is up for today's session of Pixel Therapy. Thanks, everyone uh, who's here on YouTube watching live. Thanks, everyone who's listening at home. Um, We hope that listening to our thoughts and feelings gave you all some thoughts and feelings of your own. Adrian, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, How can people follow you in your work? Uh, I am at uh, insert disc five and it's disc with a C and five, the number. on like everything <laughs> on, on Twitter, on Tumblr, on Instagram, on co-host, on some of the things I've forgotten. And if you are also interested in, in getting to know more uh, fans of the game, there's also uh, an In Stars in Time Discord channel that is linked on the uh, In Stars in Time website, which is instarsintimes.com. Amazing. Uh, folks, definitely go check that out and follow Adrian. I'm so excited to see what you do next. Yay! <laughs> um, if you want more Pixel Therapy, you can come check us out at patreon.com slash pixeltherapypod where you can sign up for free to stay up to date on everything we have going on, including our weekly streaming schedule uh, or subscribe for as little as $2 a month and snag that sweet monthly bonus episode. Um, we'll be live streaming video games uh, this coming week on Tuesday and Thursday, uh, just like we do every week at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And that's Pixel Therapy uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Pixel Therapy Pod. And of course, you can support the show by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and following us on Twitter at Pixel Therapy Pod. That stuff is just as important and we appreciate it just as much. Finally, since we like to put our money and our energy where our mouth is, we end every episode with a recommended side quest. Um, this week, I wanted to spotlight Salma Shawa. Um, she's on Instagram at Anat dot international uh, that's a-n-a-t dot international and she's a content creator um, uh, creating resources information and news pushing followers to think critically about palestine so go check out um, her account at anat international on instagram thank you for that side quest spencer that is our show for today everyone so go forth run a story mission level up some stats and don't forget to hug an npc every now and then we'll be back soon with some more Pixel therapy. therapy. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye bye.